Man, y'all know the face, y'all know the name, y'all tuned into the world's greatest podcast. This is factual information at this point. If you look in encyclopedias and look up the world's realest podcast, my face is there. And Talk Ain't Cheap podcast will be right under it. Under it. See, my bottom loop got in the way. Um, I got a special guest. Um, should we even say where we at right now? No. We we are located in the in the New York State capital of Albany, New York. <laughs> I have a special guest. I'm going to let her introduce herself because you know I don't introduce people. I, I feel like I shortchange them when I do. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. That is my... Uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, hi, guys. Um, My name's Liz. Um, Liz who? Liz Dickerson. <laughs> I'm Yo, done. This is lit. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Is it life interesting? Life is very interesting. Life is very interesting. But yeah, I'm Liz Dickerson. Um... Some of you know me, some of you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Where are you from? I'm from Staten Island, New York. <laughs> big, big oh, Staten okay, Island. Here we go. Shit. Born and raised, born and raised. South of St. Vincent's Hospital. No, but actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I was born. But Shout anyway. Out to AKA a- 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 Richard University Hospital. Yeah, whatever they are now. We don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, born and raised in Staten Island. Um, and then. Um, what about six, seven years ago? I came upstate and I haven't left. So I'm currently located in Albany, New York. Good. Um, did my bachelor's, did my master's, Congrats. and I currently work for the state. So that's fire. Mm-hmm. See, okay, that's fire. That's yeah. what's up. That's what's up. Um, that's a whole story in itself. No, that's beautiful. That's all the Lord, but you know. Okay, yeah, no, we're going to get there. We're going to get <laughs> yeah. there. You sanctified. I'm done. The, the, the aura <laughs> in this place, I feel it. I feel like I'm at home. Smell good. Mm hmm. It's clean. Mm-hmm. You got it. You set up this place like an Airbnb. <laughs> it's supposed to be an air. It's a blow couch and a, a regular pull out couch. I'm and done. I feel like I'm in a mansion in, in, in Thailand. I feel like I want one of them Galway excursions in Thailand. This is immaculate. I, I'm, I'm, I'm um, glad you feel at home. I'm glad I'm you glad. feel at home. I'm, yeah, I appreciate you. Um, so why do you think we're doing this podcast? For many different reasons. Pick one. Start with one. I don't know. You know, you could toss it up. Um, I don't know. You tell me. So the reason we're doing this podcast is because Liz used to be outside a lot. Oh, here we go. Liz used to be outside <laughs> a lot. And I felt like I've, I've been watching from a distance. I'm that guy. I, I feel like I don't sometimes say anything, but I watch. I like. I'll double tap. Like, I saw your progression from when I knew you when you went to port. Mm-hmm. And you was like a mixy. I just I was just saying you was a mixy. You was with mixy girls. You were pretty. But you was with all the mixy girls. And all the mixy dudes attracted themselves to the mixy girls. Mm-hmm. So I knew you for being outside of the mix, right? Right. And you swear that you was never outside, which I think I is I was cap. not. That is not. That's all speculation. So you was never outside. That is all speculation. Said who? Said the, the streets don't speculate. The streets don't speculate. That, <laughs> that is a lie. The streets may that speculate, but it always comes from a, a, a reputable source. No, the streets have always speculated. They just put it on social media now. That's the yes, difference. That's a fact. That's I agree. the difference. I agree. I agree. But yeah, um, I'm not going to say I was outside. I just, you know... I knew people who knew me and we knew each other and you know um I will say you know I was in certain circles and groups that you know were pushed in the spotlight but um I wouldn't call myself mixy you know you was low-key low-key list if I'm mixy <laughs> and I know that you outside you mixy I mean you both list. outside today hashtag low-key oh, list we gonna we put go. that on the shirt <laughs> <laughs> low-key list that's dope all right um 
So, all right. So, what happened after high school? Because, you know, like, first, what was going on in high school? And then what happened after high school? Because I felt like I knew you from when I knew you. And then you kind of, like, just disappeared. Yeah. Um, And that's so crazy, even in stuff, like, people, for you to say, you know, what happened in high school until now. Um, So, in high school, like... Like you said, there's mixiness. There's not to say there's a front, but there's this this superficial layer of a person mm-hmm. that you know that the other people see. But then there's also a lot of other deeper things that people don't see. Um, so I was going through a lot of like family things mm. in high school. Um, even with dealing with my mom, um, she actually like left. My mom left my life, and then I was left with my siblings and my father, who had taken care of us like our whole life. So that's not anything new, but it was just an adjustment because I was used to two parents being there, and it became one. Um, And with that, there was just, you know, every problem you can think of that came with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, you have to understand, in high school, like, we're still kind of defining ourselves or figuring out who we are and stuff like that. And so in the process of trying to find myself, but also adjusting to the fact that, you know, somebody important, my mother was not there for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially as a young black woman, yeah. I feel like the, like outside, you got all these different images of what it looks like to be a, a, a lit woman or a mm-hmm. lit black woman. Mm-hmm. And when you come home that you actually have like a, an, an image of what it means to right. be a certain type of woman. Right. So that not being there, it kind of will force you to kind of like seek being, seek right. that image elsewhere. Right. And I think also, even when it comes to considering seeking that image is also, um, or persona, right. Mm-hmm. Or person, you know, role model, mm-hmm. idol, whatever you want to call it. Example. Um, exactly. Um, when it comes to you seeking that out, um, it also depends on how and what you do. Mm-hmm. So I was seeking a mother's love just in a lot of ways that weren't a mother's love. Mm. Um, so I was acting out, you know, I was doing rambunctious things. I was doing, you know, typical teenager things, not mm-hmm. listening, disobeying my parents, being sneaky, regular stuff mm-hmm. for, you know, teens that are of acting out that are not being, or that are not able to express themselves in the way they want to and still trying to locate and identify how they're trying to express themselves in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my, you know, my high school years. Um, and it reflected in my friends groups. It reflected in my behavior. It reflected in my actions. Um, and it's not to say, you know, I was really out here in these streets, like, you know, nothing like power or anything like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was doing yeah. stuff that I had no business doing, especially as a teenager. And that's just being real. And I feel like a lot of people kind of sugarcoat or hide that part of themselves. And I'm not scared to hide that part of myself because there's a lot of us that have been through and experienced that. Of course. Um, and I feel like people are not real about that. And that's why I'm being real about it. So... Um, but that was, you know, high school, and that transitioned into the early years of college. So for mm. people that don't know, I actually went to CSI, so College of Staten Island, for two and a half years. What was that like? Because I feel like Man. you go from uh, Staten Island High School to CSI, you now just get exposed to, like, if you didn't know people from the other high schools there that that you just wasn't you didn't have access to mm-hmm. you gonna see them now at csi right. if they didn't if they didn't go away like mm-hmm. and especially at that time when a lot of people were going away for college and mm-hmm. i don't think people gave that aspect of like a staten island transition credit right. because it was like i remember when i was leaving like mad people like people before me were leaving but they weren't leaving od mm-hmm. but like, they were like people were like people that i was used to like seeing like oh yo he's going D one or yo he's going to this D two yeah. he got or yo she's leaving because she like and they were popping mm-hmm. they left so I could only imagine what it's like like when the certain people leave and then you now go to CSI and everyone who didn't leave 
is now at CSI. Mm-hmm. So it probably was like high school extended. Yeah, it was. It was definitely an extension of high school, but it was kind of. It was kind of like a. A place that was in between a place like you didn't mm-hmm. know if you were in college or like you said extended high school or but you knew it wasn't extended high school because you know we had to do real work and it's not saying we didn't do work in high school but I was always intelligent I was always very smart I was always in the honors class um work wasn't having the school work done wasn't a thing for me but when I got to college I had to apply myself differently um also adjusting to the fact that it wasn't only Staten Island anymore everybody mm. knows that college of Staten Island is a commuter school so you meet people from Brooklyn Queens everywhere you know you're meeting different people different age brackets different groups so um that was a just a shock especially because people don't understand that Staten Island is like it's like a vacuum like you just Staten Island is just Staten Island you know and you know people from other boroughs but Staten Island has this kind of cloud yes exactly a cloud that just everybody thinks that's just it a small town you know mindset like everybody knows everybody and if you don't know that person somebody you know knows that person um so going from that to going to a commuter school um that was rather expensive for no reason but that's beside the point but going to a commuter school and then trying to figure out like, okay, I want to study this, you know, I want to do this with my life. Cause once you get into college, it's like, okay, start planning your, your rest of your life. Like it's not, it's not high school anymore, you know? And the fact that you have that sense of direction is really impressive because a lot of people don't like Mm -hmm. when I left, I ain't gonna lie. I had an idea what I wanted, but when I actually stepped foot at UB, I just was like, yo, it's lit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm outside. Like. Is <laughs> is is up there because you I'm know outside. it's okay. it's the first time like you don't have your your parents there to mm-hmm. tell you how things are gonna go. Uh, it's also the first time that you um you, you you get this new sense of like really figuring out what you want for yourself. Right. So that's why it's like kind of interesting to me because the fact that she was like, oh, this one I want to do this how I have to do it. How am I figure out? It's kind of like where did you get that sense of direction from? Well, I think it was because of the circumstances of what happens and, you know, in my personal life with my family, um, with my, you know, my mom leaving and stuff like that. That wasn't that was a transition I had when I was 15 years old. So while everybody else was still, you know, living their best lives in high living school, my best life. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> everybody was living their best lives. Here I am trying to figure out like, oh, snap, like you know life is getting real like things are happening um that's when i started not only personally like understanding like wow i'm turning into adult but an adult but also understanding like you know it just comes to a moment and it just smacks you in the face my moment happened earlier than others so when i came into the position of going into college at 18 19 years old years old i'm already like i have to do x y and z Mm -hmm. on top of that um my father has always preached education. He was like, it doesn't matter what you do, education, education, education. If my father hasn't said anything to me, it's always education, 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 just like that. Mm-hmm. And th- those three simple words, because he always felt that education was going to give us opportunity. Doesn't necessarily that it means it has to be in an institutional building, Yeah. but education gives you opportunity. That's real. That's what he taught. He taught us that our whole lives from when we were born. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I, and this was when I wanted to be a doctor, right? A medical doctor. And um, I'm like, the route of that is like, okay, go and get a degree in biology or some type of some type of science, right? I liked biology, so I went and I went to be a biology major. Thing is, I was in college for two and a half years, so five semesters, and I hadn't taken one biology class. Yeah, that's some CSI shit. Mm-hmm. That's as CSI as it gets, yeah. So, um, so I'm like, okay, you know, I'm fed up, I'm done, you know. And, and like I said, like the, the in-between of high school going into college because CSI was a commuter school it was still the same drama that I was going through 
you know, it was still the same circles that I was in. And, you know, I had my friend group at CSI, but it was just kind of, you know, because we were all in CSI type of thing. Um, it's crazy because I actually met one of my best friends to this day, like through CSI, which is a whole, you know, crazy story. But um, it's very interesting when you're put in certain situations, how you have to adapt mm -hmm. to them. And I think CSI really adapted me to understanding that Staten Island was a cloud, Staten Island was this small town, and that there was so much more to life. So after two and a half years, I transferred upstate and I applied to University of Albany, and I haven't been back since. Man, shout out to UA, man. Y'all know the vibes, oh, man. <laughs> shout out to UA, man. Shout I don't even want to talk too much about Albany, but those in Albany know how this go, man. God mm. bless Albany, man. These queens is immaculate. And I, I man, I'm stuttering. Oh, here's stuttering. I'm just. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go to UA because I know what it would have looked like. But everybody be cuffing low key at UA, so it's weird. Maybe not. People be cuffing out here like they'll... perception. <laughs> perception. Yeah. So perception. <laughs> we, we go bypass that. <laughs> we gonna leave these queens and kings to God. Okay. Amen. Let's uh, take it. <laughs> so while you was at UA, what was your experience like? I know that you joined um, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority right. Incorporated. Right. Shout out to the finer things. Here we go. The pretty kitties. <laughs> Shout out to Kitty Milk. Is that what y'all call oh, Kitty Milk? All right, yes, sir. All right. All right. Yes, sir. We, we sip, sip slow. You know that. Meow. Oh. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> nah, I like Zeta. Zeta's like me too. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, but who doesn't like Cletus? So, um, yo, stop. You know what? I, I appreciate you because I don't know how to take compliments. I still that's always something I've always like fought. Mm -hmm. And I pre I'm I'm learning to embrace this because this is really like it's it's therapeutic for me mm -hmm. too. It's like thank you. I I don't I never knew that. Right. Like people don't tell me these things. Uh, people don't tell people a lot of things, you know. That's true. I think I think it's also understanding and that goes back to like our identity and being yourself. You've always been yourself. You've always been Cletus. So that's when I say like, who wouldn't like Cletus? If you have a problem with Cletus, you really have a problem with yourself. And I'm not trying to say that to be condescending or judgmental to other people, but just knowing your personality, knowing the type of person you are, mm -hmm. right? That that's not something. If you have, you know, if you have a problem with Cletus, what really is your problem? It's more of a reflection on yourself than it is on you. Yeah, because I'll go out my way to make sure there's not no issues. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's up so. there, then it's up there. Right. Um, so, came to UA. Right. Uh, what was that like? Man, um, I'm not going to say a culture shock, but it was kind of, like, I remember my grandmother always saying to me, like, you always a party school. Don't go there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I was never... As as mixy quote unquote because I'm oh, these you know please. <laughs> quote unquote my air quotes is out y'all um I I was not on the scene I was you not was outside. outside I was not outside you, if I'm outside and I'm telling you I seen you outside the only thing I give you is I don't think I ever danced with you. Oh God! So if go. I never danced with you, maybe you could get away with something. I but no, you I was no clue what you're outside. talking about dancing. Um, okay. This is what we go do. I have no clue what you're <laughs> talking about. This is what we go do. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, yeah, when I came to you, Albany, um, I'm not gonna say it was a culture shock, but it was kind of like what you first experienced when you went to UB. That mm -hmm. oh, I'm I'm by myself, and coming to Albany, I already had a grown mindset, so I was already two and a half years into school, and I'm like, okay, I really need to finish my degree because you know they have this whole perception you finish in four years, mm -hmm. which it's cap, od, but we're gonna leave that there, but um. I came here and it just 
just so happened that when I came here, like, I knew people who went to UA from, you know, Staten Island back home and stuff like that. But I didn't know them, know them to be like, oh, we're going to hang out. We're going to do this, that, and third. So when I came here, I wound up living in, living on, like, I guess the mixiest place to live on you all. <laughs> Empire? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yo. I'm, I'm, yo. <laughs> and it's so crazy because I think my first semester here was actually in January. So it was, like, the spring semester. And, um... I didn't know nobody and my my roommate she didn't know anybody mm. my my sweet mate she didn't know anybody so we wound up becoming we actually actually clicked really well um we still talk to this day and she and we just would go out but she knew people that knew people so when we went out we would be with all the frats and all the people who were in you know asuba and all this you know black student union and um and the asa yeah asa uh, yeah. you know jamsa which are all like student organizations so I wound up being in the mixy crowd, quote unquote, because I'm not mixy, y'all. So. See, I think there's a pattern here. It's not a pattern. I'm just. <laughs> I think <laughs> life is anyway. telling you something. <laughs> so, I wound up knowing everybody, including faculty and staff. Like mm. people knew who I was, and I was just like, you know, it was crazy because, like, just like you, like you don't realize people are recognizing you, but people recognize you. That was happening to me as well. Um, and then I wind up, it's so crazy because I wasn't really introduced to Greek life. Like, I, it just, just, it just kind of happened. And I'm not even going to sit here in front, like. You was just, chasing yeah, it. Yeah, I was, it just really just happened. Um, but especially with um, Zeta Phi Beta, Sorority Incorporated. Um, Pretty kitty. Uh, here we go. Um, I think the thing that attracted me the most about him was the service, you know, the final womanhood, the principles, the sisterhood, um, and the scholarship. The things that those were things that I already lived by, you know, and mm-hmm. it just tra- it just transferred into the organization. And also, the members at the time they were so they were embracing, you know, they were they were um, they were just cool, you know. We just spoke, and I liked them as people. I didn't even recognize that I was. An interest at the time, right? And that's something like people go in like with the motive and stuff. I was just there because I liked what they did. Um, you know that transpired into me becoming a member, um, and meeting, and then then the whole circle just blew. My network blew up even more because not only did I know people, more faculty and staff in the university at Albany. Because once you're in an organization like that, you become a student leader. So here I am, 2014. I come in, and you know I'm. Literally, like, not to say nobody, but I don't know anybody, you mm-hmm. know? By the next spring semester, I was everywhere in in leadership meetings and student affairs meetings, speaking to the president, like, you know, speaking to the to everybody, speaking to funders, you know, speaking That's to lit. community leaders, you know, in Albany. How did you, so, so, so what was that process like? And when I say process, it's the whole period of from interest to being coming this finer woman and being this student leader what was that process like and how did you handle that process like mentally like um very interesting very interesting <laughs> um on a superficial level i'm not even gonna say in front it was like oh it's lit like you know you you know people that know people and network is networking is really a thing for people who don't think networking is a thing and people who like to stay in their own social circles network um because even now I have so many opportunities because I know people or I know or they know somebody who knows somebody who can help me. Networking is very important. Um, but it goes back to just being myself. I was just myself and I was interested in what the organization was doing. So, um, yeah, it was just myself. I was interested in what the organization was doing. Um, and then it after I joined the organization, it opened a lot of doors for me. Um, 
some of those stories were good, some of them were bad. You mm. know, you get people people see the glitz and glamour, but don't understand that there's an underbelly to everything. Um, experiencing that underbelly taught me a lot about myself. Taught me a lot about being an adult, being responsible for myself, for my actions. Um, so that was a whole thing in itself. And then also. Um, just having the exposure to things that that I once didn't, to understanding, you know, school policies and stuff. People like, yeah, people go to UA to get lit as a student, but being becoming um, faculty because I've actually worked for the university before as well too. Mm. Um, there's a completely different side of things that you see, and people don't understand that. So um, definitely a lot of opportunity in networking, but also understanding in the process, like there's there's an underbelly to everything there's a lot of stuff that people don't discuss there's a, that people don't talk about um and those are the things that helped me grow the most as a person so that's crazy i'm so happy for you this is crazy this is good this is good like wow you're oh you're a grown woman now i've always been a grown woman oh my goodness oh my all right that's that's a lot <laughs> okay okay cool so uh, you at UA, you doing what you're doing in UA, right? Mm-hmm. So where does this God fearing woman come from? Hmm. Um, that that is so crazy because um I was raised in the church. It's not like I just fell upon Jesus. Like I've known Jesus my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a difference between it's kind of like social circles, right? Like you know somebody superficially, but you don't really know them as a person. So I knew Jesus on you know He's my Lord and Savior. He loves everybody. You know He saved the world, but I didn't know the actual love that God had for me. Um, like I was saying before, I went through a lot of personal family problems and stuff like that. Um, and in the midst of that, I was battling with major, um, severe depression, um, but also, um, contemplating suicide. These are the things that people don't know. Mm -hmm. These are the people, these the things that people don't see. Um, you know, depression is just not a regulated thing just because it's mainstream doesn't mean it's a thing that everybody has to go through. It's not a one size foot all kind right. of thing. Right. Not at all. And I think um, because there's so many different faces of depression, there's so many ways to just express your depression. People don't understand that. Um, and, you know, people talk about mental health and the importance of it, but people don't talk about things that, you know, also coincide with that. Mental health doesn't just, you know, and mental health and depression doesn't just spring on you one day. It's something that builds up like trash in a car. You start with one cup and then, the back of your car is, looks like a dumpster, you know? People don't understand that it's stuff that happens over time. Traumas when you were a child, you know, um, friendships, relationships, all of that stuff, all of that baggage piles up. Then it comes to a point and you look in the back of the car, you're like, oh, snap, there's mad garbage in here. Mm-hmm. That was that was my life. Um, and it came to a point where I, I wasn't dealing with it the correct way. I was doing very, very irresponsible things. Um, and this is all while being in my, you know, social networks, being being a student leader, um, being in certain atmospheres and certain friend groups and situations and networks mm-hmm. and still experiencing this and speaking about it, quote unquote, but not actually speaking about it. Um, and that's something that burdened me for a very long time. I was dealing with depression since I was 17 and I didn't stop dealing with depression until I was 24. So where was everybody, everybody at? Cause at this point you've already had, you still have family, you still have friends, you have your sorority sisters, you have all these different like relationships. Where was everybody at? Who You didn't have anybody to talk to that could really probably help you walk through it. So the crazy thing about it is, um, it's how much do you want to expose mm-hmm. and with who 
because you're saying I have family and friends and all these things, but I'm pretty sure you can name your family and friends and there's things they don't know about you and they've known you your whole life. That's true. So it just, it doesn't, it, not to say it doesn't matter if people are there, but how how vulnerable are you willing to be with them um, about situations? And for me, I didn't actually understand what depression was. I just knew there was sometimes I was sad. There was sometimes I was happy. There was sometimes I was whatever. Um, but until I got a full understanding of what I was even going through, that's when I started to express it. That's when I started to talk about it. Because if you don't, if you don't understand yourself first, how can you explain yourself to others? That's true. That was the first thing that took me years to figure out years to figure out what, okay. You know, cause I'm like, I'm feeling this cause you have to understand it's also a thing. It's fruit and root, right? Mm-hmm. We know that the seeds, the seeds have to be planted to become a tree before it even bears fruit. It's the same thing with issues. They become planted, they become a tree, and then they bear the fruit of the issues, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the fruit where I'm looking at my actions are irresponsible, right? I'm, I was binge drinking, like, you know, and people don't call it, you know, alcoholism, but it really was alcoholism. Oh, yeah, no, nah, whenever you, yo, people yeah. don't understand, like, yo, when you're in college mm-hmm. and the type of thing, behaviors that people take on, mm-hmm. it really follows them for life. And they just say it's part of the culture mm-hmm. when it's reality. It's not. Nope. They're really hiding something. Mm-hmm. And that that was the thing for me. I was heavily drinking, heavily drinking, heavily drinking, and it, it, it bled into other irresponsible actions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, like, same thing with culture. People cover it, and they're just like, oh, it's just culture. Oh, we just, we just get lit. We just have brunch. Like, no, you're actually an alcoholic, and you don't want to call it that because you, you, you associate alcoholism with something that's bad. But essentially, that's what you're doing mm-hmm. by action. Just not by name. And people don't understand that. So um, I had recognized those things. And I was just miserable, you know, as happy and as, as you know, plugged in and as, you know, networked as I was, I was miserable. Walking around miserable every day. And that's not something nobody else had to deal with but me. Because mm-hmm. I woke up miserable. I went to sleep miserable. It was just a thing. I also went through... Um, a very interesting breakup and you know (laughs) yeah and you know you know um it's crazy because people be like oh my ex this that and third i have no animosity toward my ex or anything like that it was actually a very good learning experience because there you go trying to play adult again and now you're really dealing with adult issues and things and i was like whoa um i don't like this you know and we had we had a mutual breakup it wasn't like a like you know. I hate you, you hate you. Yeah, it's no. More like a, yeah, this is not working. Yeah, no. That was that was really like my homie for mad long, but it um it just wasn't healthy for both of us, you know. And mm-hmm. we recognized that when we started to recognize this was not healthy for us, um amongst other things, they were like, yeah, we can't do this, you know. And even afterward, we tried to be friends, and we're like, this is still unhealthy, you know. So we we had to recognize the and be mature about that and understand like this isn't healthy for us so we're going to depart our ways and there's no beef there's no animosity or anything like that but we had to recognize and understand that so imagine you're learning that about yourself but you're in a relationship with somebody you know that's that's a whole different level of feelings and things that are intertwined with that i had to go through that breakup to understand as a person that was messed up Mm. you know it's crazy you said something about traumas right and i've been I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos lately um, about trauma, and mm-hmm. it, it, it 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 was a statement that said like trauma like 
trauma stops people from growing, right? So usually you could tell a lot about somebody or the trauma they experienced because it's kind of like they haven't been able to grow past that situation. So you ever see somebody like, yo, they act mad childs. Nine out of 10 times, you could pinpoint where that trauma occurred because right. it stopped them from becoming who they need to become from mm-hmm. that point on. Mm-hmm. So when you say that you didn't, you had all these uh, unreserved traumas since you was like young and you didn't know, it's crazy mm-hmm. because also with trauma, you don't know where it is and when it's gonna come out right. something triggers it right like i didn't realize those things i was dealing with from childhood right mm-hmm. until like out of nowhere i'm like dang yep why why did i react why did i respond to that why am i so why am i feeling like this and it's mm-hmm. like dang why where did this thought just come from right i haven't felt this way since at this point you're like damn mm-hmm. And I think also with trauma, like people, you know, there's actually really traumatic things that happen to people. But trauma can also be, um, you know, everyday social oppression because we're black. Because especially in Staten Island, for everybody who knows, it's just it is unspokenly segregated. It's just unspoken. It's racist as hell. Yeah. You don't you don't go to certain parts of Staten Island Mm -hmm. and, you know, you just stay away from certain parts. That's just what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know. Staten Island is very, you know. That nigga's racist, bro. Let's call it what it is. Them right. folks is racist <laughs> institutionally, systemically. Well, yeah. Them folk hate black people but love black people when it's time for black people to play football and basketball for their institutions. Yeah. Them folk don't respect black people. The cops don't respect black people. If I mean, you, if you're not. Blanket statements because we don't necessarily. Blanket statements, but at the same time. Stop yeah. and frisk is blanketed. Listen, we're not going to go there. Okay. Because if you, we could, we could we, talk no, about coded you, no, language. No, you know? you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Especially when it comes to stopping first. That's not blankly. That's absolutely racist and systemically and physically, emotionally, every type of racism you can think of. Absolutely. But um, as we know, Staten Island is just not the place where you, you grow up in, in harmony, per se. You know it's unspokenly segregated. Um, that's, that's a trauma in itself because... I speak to people, you know, who are from Brooklyn or other places and, you know, who grew up in, you know, other parts of New York. Yeah, stop, flat, yeah you know, and they didn't experience what we experienced. But especially you with going to Wagner, like See, so <laughs> you know it's crazy. Wagner Yes and no. Wagner football in some aspects, yeah. But I feel like Wagner was diverse enough and and um, I want to even say liberal. People would like to say progressive, mm-hmm. but we, there were so many different people doing so many different things that it was like you were lit if you were just doing you. Like you, it couldn't become a race thing. You right. couldn't make it. When you, if you make it race, you see, you knew where it was coming from. Right. But outside of that, you couldn't make it race because it's like, yo, if you gonna make it a race issue. I'll, it's it's gonna be bad for you because right. the person that you hate because of their skin color is the same person that makes your school your institution look lit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for example, like my sister when she went to Wagner, she was the prom queen, and her, the prom king was also black, and he was on the football team. And the, the football team was nice because of all these black kids, right. and the the kids and scholars that was really doing stuff they were black and mm-hmm. Spanish and Afro Latino, and they had to co- coexist with these white people, and they had to make it. Granted, there was mad racist white motherfuckers, oh, mad racist white teachers like man listen i have i just gotta look at my transcript oh my bad i just gotta look at my transcript and like you'll see it like i've never not done well but i would would even i knew there was like subtle forms of racism when i used to get in trouble in school 
or like my grades would take a hit for stuff that had nothing to do with grades microaggressions yo mm-hmm. oh you think you're this and you're that or you came into class they so i'm going and i'm like yo i had to come down from the basement to go to the fourth floor after we just played basketball i'm sweaty i'm running up the stairs I, like but let so and so on this team go through that and this whatever like you know, you know how that is, and I and I feel like you know that's unfortunately something we experienced because we grew up and were raised in Staten Island. So mm-hmm. um, we normalize it. Certain, certain and, things. And are that's just what normal. I was gonna say. It's normalized, and I think that's that's the the bad part about it, especially when it comes to traumas. Even um, traumas now. You know, like um, you know, they have the whole Me Too movement and stuff like that. People mm-hmm. are just like, you know, I and I absolutely support the hashtag Me Too because again, there's so many people going through things that people are not discussing. Um, but traumas are not just the ones that we can, you know, pinpoint, right? Pinpoint, blow up. And I think it's in the little subtle things that we do, right? I have a question. Mm-hmm. How do you feel up feel about the concept of sexual coercion? So let me let me take a step back, right? So, right. like, let's say like you link with a, a young woman, right? Mm-hmm. And she's not like throwing it at you uh-huh. but you guys you know you're talking you talk let's say there's some wine there's some weed involved you now start trying to you know play with her a little Mercy bit caress her <laughs> is is like because some people say like oh sexual coercion that's that's what people are now and i'm seeing it people are trying to now push that new agenda like uh-huh. oh sexual coercion as a form of rape and i'm sitting here like this is gonna get ugly because you can't sometimes pinpoint like if it's coercion, if you're, it's the vibe. Call a spade a spade. Call a spade a spade. You know I'm going to. Call a spade a spade. And I think that's another thing when it comes to us as, you know, how we communicate as persons, as people. Um, there's this, there's this uh, culture of, you know, Netflix and chill, right? Mm-hmm. We'll call it that. Um, where things just happen and it's like, you know, but you didn't say no, right? And or you didn't, you know, but... And just because you don't say no doesn't mean it's an automatic yes. Right. Because consent is sexy, right? Hashtag UA. Hashtag. Because <laughs> I definitely went for the university, so... <laughs> Hashtag, can I please enjoy no, your vibes? but actually... Please. But And there's, some, there's something that's important about that because that goes back to communication, right? Mm-hmm. That can actually be rooted in trauma. How we express ourselves, right? Not only... And communicating is not only out of our mouths. 55% of communication is from your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, if her body language is not saying yes, you have to also think, what does she go through? What are her thoughts about things? And that's why people can't rush into these Netflix and chill situations and just think, oh, you know, you know, I met her on Instagram in the DM week later in the crib. Like, that's not you're not taking time to learn this person. You're not taking time to understand them. And you can't say, oh, week's not enough time. I've had conversations with people in, on the first day and they're like, wow, like this, you know, there's so much to you because I. I had to learn how to communicate where I was, who I was, how I'm I'm conducting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very important. People don't do that. People just, you know. They rush into everything. Right, culture. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything's rushed. Everything's, um, they call us a microwave generation because we want everything quick, fast. That's not how life works. Um, Sexual yeah. coercion. Yeah, that's not, um, no, no. I, like I said, call a spade a spade. And I think, um, Especially for me and my views and my religious beliefs, you know, I'm not. Uh, no, the answer is no. Not even from jump. Don't even. Don't even think the thought. Don't even. Don't even look at me like that's not. That's not how I live because the Bible has strict guidelines on that, and that's what I believe, and that's what I live by. So, what is your? What is your? What is your um take on like 
people who are like Christian but like in a relationship but they be having sexual relationships with each other knowing that like they're not married but then because there's people this is my problem like that I have with mm-hmm. um I wouldn't just say Christianity because Christianity that's that's the religious aspect not right. the relationship so that's that's a whole different conversation but mm-hmm. like the concept that people utilize like language right? right like some people be like oh what marriage means is like when you say that you're married it's not just you marrying the woman you're marrying the family so that like, I had a guy oh my god I had a guy <laughs> come in the store saying that when in the bible because you're married to a woman let's say you marry her family so let's say you marry her you go marry her sister you can marry her mother wow. you can mar- Mercy, Lord. this is what this man right. told me He's like, if anything was to happen to her and like the sister needs, I'm going to marry the sister as well and I'm going to take care of the sister because... May God have mercy on his life. Man, listen, he's going to need And more. I think even with that, like, even with me saying may God have mercy on his life, um, the reason people take that as a negative connotation, but that's really, mercy is God's love. Um, mercy is when we are, like, let's say we're in court, right? And the judge is like, you're guilty, but we walk away free. That's what God's mercy is on our life. Mm. And it applies to the same thing where there's Christians who are having, you know, intercourse who are, who are, it's called fornication, but who are fornicating. Um, God has mercy on your life, but you have to recognize, right? You have to recognize what you're doing and also take responsibility in what you're doing, right? And then it's up to God. Cause like people say, oh, you can't judge me. God judges me, but here's God and your judgment, your old judgment. And he's like, I'm not going to give you the judgment. I'm going to give you mercy. So you walk out of the court scot-free. That's what God does for us, especially when we recognize, right, Jesus, especially when we recognize his love for us. Um, so when it comes to people who are, and it's not just fornication. It's every, it's lying. It's cheating. It's greed. Um, it's a bad attitude. It's bitterness. It's unforgiveness. Those are all the, those, all those sins are on the same level. People don't understand that because just think, oh, fornication Um, you're physically sinning against your own body, which is the temple for the Holy Spirit. But you have to understand, sin is sin, point blank, period. People don't recognize that and they think, oh, doing one thing is worse than the other. Mm -hmm. But you have to recognize what your vice is because not everybody's vice is the same. That's true. So when it comes to people who are are in relationships and are, you know, struggling with that, um, number one, you have to recognize. It's the same thing with recognizing that I had a problem, like I was miserable, until I recognized it, that's when I started to deal with it. I'm like, okay, God, help me deal with this because I, I know I can't do it myself. It's mm. the same thing. Are you bringing that to the Lord or are you trying to deal with it yourself? You can't deal with your burdens, and that's why God deals with them for us. That's true. So people just, you know, we have to change our minds about that. People don't change their minds. They just think, okay, I'm fornicating, I'm doing this, you know, and I just deal with it as it is. It, it's all back to your mindset. It's all back to your mindset, and that goes back to perspective, what we're exposing ourselves to what we're doing like me personally i don't listen to secular music yeah i don't listen to secular music um so no megan the stallion i know i'd rather be I, there with you i don't know okay. her music i'm I personally Big old I don't. freak I, no city girls nope real <laughs> no no fucking back oh five, no eight, one, i don't one. like you wouldn't you know i wouldn't click and say this is what i want to listen to mm-hmm. um even with like I just, you know, I changed I changed my life, you know. And in changing my life, it was nothing personal to anybody else, but I had to change my life for me, for me to even still be here personally. Because um, like I was saying, I previously dealt with suicide ideation. People don't understand how serious that is, that you wake up and you're like, I want to kill myself. Like, you know, people that people think that sounds crazy. That's not oh, it's normal. Like, that's not normal. That's not normal. Um, and I had to recognize that. And I went through everything. I went through therapy. 
I went through using, um, you know, substance, alcoholism. I went through um, relationships, relationships, mm-hmm. right? Using people, all these things. I'm like, nope, that don't work. That don't work. That don't work. The one thing that worked and has still worked and is still working God. has been God. And I thank God for revealing himself to me when he did because I don't personally think I would still be here if I was in the other state. And that's just being real. And people don't like to hear those sides of things. They're like, oh, you're weak or oh, you know. But suicide is really a thing that grips you. People don't understand that. Um, But it really was through God's love and mercy that I no longer deal with depression. And it was actually, I came, I I was so happy and joyous with, coming into Christ and living my life for Christ as I do now um, that I had to look back and realize like oh snap I'm not depressed anymore mm, yeah. That that's because I lived a depressed life and then when I was living a joyous life I was like oh snap I'm not depressed anymore and it I feels pra- different yeah, yeah it feels different I praise God even now it's not saying I don't go through things I go through things of course but it's understanding that I have something to always fall back on, that I know that God will always love me, always protect me, always be there for me. He will never leave nor forsake me. You can't say that about a person. Oh, yeah. These people fickle. You can't even, even, even our own parents, our own families, you fickle. can't say that. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because they're human. But imagine you depending on somebody, undoubtedly. You always know you can depend on them. That's my relationship with God. So, I like this. Okay, so, when... And how did you find God? And what did that look like to you? Okay. Um, when and how did that... Okay. So, it was February 2018. Okay. My relationship ended July slash September of 2017, mm-hmm. going back. Um, and through that process, I was like, I felt something pulling me. Like, you know, I called it being in a cocoon. Because, you know, if you know about metamorphosis with a butterfly. You know, the caterpillar goes in the cocoon, becomes a butterfly. So I was in my head, I'm like, I'm going in my cocoon stage. I'm going to transform who I am mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Not knowing that it was God pulling on me, um, pulling on my heart, pulling on my mind, pulling on my life. Um, and the end of 2017, I was, you know, I was still doing, you know, I was still an alcoholic. I was still doing these things, but I was... Um, I was being pulled, my heart was being pulled to just like fall back, fall back, fall back. Um, so then January came of 2018. And I'm like, I, you know, new year, new me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm changing. <laughs> it's Liddy. Movie. <laughs> Viral. Know? Yeah. So, um, but then, at, then February came and I was just like, I went back in that depressed rut, you know, and um, it was just a lot for me. And I remember um, one of my friends, she actually, so crazy. Um, so what happened was I was deleting all my social media. I was like, I might be on social media. I'm falling off the grid. Like, I'm falling off the grid. And she wrote me on Snapchat. She wrote me a scripture on Snapchat. Mind you, I'm just closing everything out. She never usually writes me on there. She wrote me a scripture on Snapchat. And I was like, wow, I needed that. And she was like, can I call you? And she called me. And she was like, God is calling you like he wants you to come. Like he's calling, he's telling it on your heart that that feeling that you're feeling. Like he wants you to come and he wants you to just live your life for Christ. And she said that, and I was like, wow, like this is what's happening. Okay, so I'm like, that's the answer, that's the solution. It didn't happen in a snap. It happened through progress. It happened through trials and tribulations. You, because you have to remember, you once lived your life one way for such a long time. Then I transformed. Then then I had to go through this process to transform and become, you know, my true identity of who Christ has called me to be. Mm-hmm. So. 
you know, for everybody who sees my Instagram, they're like, oh, she's a church girl now. Oh, she just, you know, like. <laughs> she went from outside to in the church. Right. No, like, no, like, I I really, and when I say I really live my life for Christ, like, I, there's just, there's certain things I do and I don't, there's places I go and I don't go because mm-hmm. I know where I came from and I'm not going back. I know how it feels to be free. I know how it feels to know my identity, to know who I am. Why would I want to go back to the person I pretended to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and people don't, and it takes a while to come out of that person because you adjust yourself to come and to becoming that person you pretended to be. It's like putting on a mask. Mm-hmm. I took my mask off. I'm not going back. You know, that's real. So, wow. So, what did God look like to you when you first like encountered God? So crazy. So, um, I first encountered God. Um, you know, at like February 2018. So from February to June, I was I was I was getting back into my word, right? And it was just learning the basics, like why does God love me? You know, why is God calling me? What what are what are these things? Finding you know churches and things to um, look at, and that's how actually me and um, Ink actually became Shout out very to close. My prom date at Port Richmond <laughs> High School, man. I need a man. Shout yeah. out to Ink. Yo, and Ink got a lot of love now, like a lot. And I said it like this. It makes me happy because like, mm-hmm. bro, like. Yo, she's always been a good ass person. That's one. She's a wonderful, you don't wonderful person. I have a. I see. I've like I said. I've been blessed to have like the experiences I've had with her. Right. Being that I was a friend, mm-hmm. I took her to her prom. And Ink is crazy. Like I remember. You know, what, but that's the beautiful thing about Ink because she is a hundred percent authentically herself. And she's filled with love no yep. matter what. Yep. And that's that's the great thing about her. And she's always been that way, but mm-hmm. people don't know that because they haven't encountered her like we've encountered her. And I think um, she was talking about purity actually on her Facebook. And I and I just inbox her and I'm like, hey, what's this? Like, you know, I'm interested. <laughs> like, what's up? You know? And she was like, I'm gonna do a Facebook live. I'm gonna look at that, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, but I waited. I was impatient. I was waiting. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? Um, so she directed me to some other sermons and videos about purity. And there were eight videos, they were an hour each. I binge watched all of them. From that day till now, my life has changed. My mindset was changed. Something was broken off of my mind. Um, and I was like, no, I need to live my life differently. You know, cause that's, that's the thing that was gripping me. I was expressing myself in ways that, that weren't healthy. Um, so yeah, that happens. And and that was like March, that was like March, 2018. So, you know, we, we getting pretty, like we're progressing on. So from March to June, you know, I'm reading my word here and there, like doing things, but I was still showing that bad fruit. You know, I was still conniving. I was still rude. I was still, you know, mean to people. And here I'm like, no, I love Jesus, but I was still being mean to people. Those two things, that's not the heart of Christ. Yeah. That's not the heart of Christ. Mm. Because if we think about God's love, or think about all the stuff we do, good and bad and God still loves us what I was doing expressing wasn't the heart of Christ so he actually encountered me um in my room woke me up out of a dream that I was like being attacked and he just started audibly speaking to me and I'm like this is crazy I'm like this is not really happening and it was really happening to me and after I had that encounter in June 2018 my life was never the same and even in saying that, it's not saying that I still wasn't struggling. Like, I still was struggling with some things here and there, but I was, like, progressively moving forward to living my life at, uh, for Christ and understanding my identity in Christ. And my question is, because um, when you say you were struggling with some things, were you, like, consciously doing things, or was it, like, subconsciously like, certain behaviors just come up and you just didn't, like, it just kind of happened? 
like because like you know you was like yo you were struggling with certain mm-hmm. things right but like were you like constantly like yeah i know it, but i'm not i'm gonna stop doing this eventually so it was like a little of both right because the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so mm-hmm. you gotta remember i had that muscle memory of trauma i had that muscle memory of doing certain things right for a very long time and now i'm trying to come away from doing those things so let's just say you walked you know up a street that was just the way you went whether your eyes are open or closed, you could still walk up that street. That's how I was with certain habits and behaviors I had. Um, it, I didn't want to go that way, but my body was just like, nope, this is muscle memory. This is what we're going to do. This is how you comfort yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You had to unlearn those ways. Mm-hmm. I had to unlearn those ways where I was comforting myself and all these things and rely on Christ. So it was a lot of ripping. It was a lot of tearing, um, tearing down those trees at the root. Because if you just pick the fruit off a tree, what happens next spring? new fruit comes right and i didn't want to keep bearing bad fruit so i'm like no let me get to the root of this where did this come from a lot of my behaviors were rooted in rejection insecurity um you know things that were just you know that should have been dealt with when i was a child or even in school you know but i had realized as an adult wow this came from my childhood um and understanding those things so i'm going through this process and it wasn't it wasn't no little two three months i'm still going through the process now you you have to learn your identity in Christ. You have to learn who you truly are. And once you learn who you truly are, why would you want to be the other person anymore? No, I feel that completely. So um, I do have a question because it just came to my mind. I remember like back in the day, there was this huge, 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 huge debate mm-hmm. between being a Christian, a servant God, and being a part of a sorority. Right. So how do you balance that? And do you feel like, because there's a lot of people who say like, Oh, sororities is paganism and you should denounce it and give up your letters if you love God. Mm-hmm. But then I also see people that like, well, it depends if you make it your God and you make it something that's like above and beyond what you're utilizing it for. Right. So where is your stance on that? So um, for me personally, um, it goes back again to understanding my identity in Christ, which I'm still understanding. Right. Um and that's the problem with people, how we separate the church from the world, right? Um, and the scripture says, like, you live in the world, but you're not of the world, which means you don't participate in things of the world. Um, but what we have to understand is that we still live in this world. There's still things that happen. There's still things that we see that go on. Um, so when it comes to, I guess, per se, balancing. Um, so right now I'm not participating in the things of my sorority um, because I'm trying to find what God wants me to do because I was put on this earth to do for the kingdom, right? Whether it be through that, you know, that avenue or a different avenue. My main focus is being willing and obedient to the call of God that's on my life. So in this current moment, that doesn't include that. Um, Is it saying like, oh, I regret my, you know, my experiences as I'm third? No, because it was actually somebody I met through my sorority that actually brought me closer to Christ. And that's why, um, you know, everything works out for the good, right? Of what Mm -hmm. God wants for our lives. So... You can't discount any anything that happened in my life or any, you know, joining the word, this, and the third. All of those things were lined up for a reason mm-hmm. um, to lead me where I am now. But it just goes back to me being willing and obedient to what God wants for my life. And people need to understand that. So, and and that's that's something that's personally for me, you know. Um, like you were saying, people are saying, denounce, do this, and the third. And the other people are like, no, it's fine. I know for me personally, my focus is on Christ. 
So if it includes it, okay. If it doesn't include it, okay. But I want the will of God for my life. Mm -hmm. And that's what people need to respect and understand. And if they can't do that, it doesn't change my perception of them. It just puts things in perspective for me. No, that's real. That's real. Well, I'm so happy for you. I like I like this space you're in. This is cool. I'm yeah, happy that it's a we, beautiful space. No, nah, and it smells good in here I'm too. Done. <laughs> it smells immaculate. I love it. Um, hmm. So where are you at now? Where, where are you at in your journey? Um, what's next for you? Um, hmm. It's so funny. I'm glad you said journey because a lot of people think um it's a destination. It's not. It's really about the journey. Yeah. No, nah, I was you talking know? to um uh because. Why I'm in Albany this weekend is because they have the uh, the African the Association of Black and Puerto Rican mm -hmm. legislative Latino caucus. Yeah, you know I'm I'm new to this yeah. political world and yeah, the no, streets I've, is upset. I've been many times. The, <laughs> yeah, I've been the been streets to the is looking at me like, times. "What are you doing here?" And I'm like, right. "Well, I'm not supposed to be outside." You're supposed to actually be in those settings to understand why the streets are like the streets, but people don't understand that That's because true. they keep their mindset at certain levels. But you know. Another conversation for another, another day. Deck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, one of the things we spoke about was I was like, I think that black people need to like leave. Mm -hmm. Like this infrastructure and this system is not meant for us to change. Right. It's like, and then people's like, well, there's so much vested interest in America because of everything that black people has done. Because for real, 400 years of free black manipulated mm -hmm. labor and resources and intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Yo, bro, give me four. I said it to somebody. I said, "Yo, would you work for two hundred days?" And what do you think two hundred days of free twenty-four hour labor look like? What that? What does that look like to you? Right. And then somebody asks, "Well, what would I have to do?" I said, "Anything that anything that you're commanded to do." Mm -hmm. So when I when I put that in perspective, I was talking about two hundred years in my mind. Like America had slaves for like two hundred longer than two hundred from sixteen hundred, but mm -hmm. really is like they said like the, something like eighteen hundred, you know. Like, yeah, slaves. Right. Straight up, sixteen hundred to the eighteen hundreds, straight slavery, like free labor. And then we're not talking about all like the social, economical, political right. uh, uh, systems that were put in place to to basically utilize black bodies and black intellectual property mm -hmm. for the gain of the of the society. Mm -hmm. You know, so I just said I think like yo, I said black people just need to take up they whatever they do have and go somewhere else and recreate that and they're like well that that journey mm -hmm. and I said it'll be like 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 Moses mm -hmm. you know what I mean because I was then the conversation went to from that to like all folk ain't folk and like the only the strong will survive mm -hmm. and they 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 spoke up they said something to me like well what if you look when you look around this is the strong that survived because mm -hmm. this is what's here this right. was left after everything mm -hmm. this is the fruit so well, that's why i asked like where are you right now in your journey so um just even listening to everything you were saying automatically it kept going back to mindset um even now in america how black people minorities right people of color in general mindset because that's why there's certain races of people of color that are doing better than others. Um, obviously, systemic racism, you know, other things put in Access, place. Access, resources, right. et cetera, yeah. But mindset, because there's also people in the African-American race and the black, black people that are prospering, right? That are absolutely prospering. Um, but it goes back to mindset. What are you feeding your mind? What are you feeding your body, right? Because you have to think, like, let's say, for instance, we keep eating chips. Like, we eat chips and junk food every day. Do you think your your body's going to 
you know, uh, run at the at optimal. The yeah, yeah, it's not going to run at the optimal level, right? Whereas people who eat fruits and vegetables and are vegans and you know all this other stuff, you can feel the difference. I've tried a different diet; you can feel the difference. That goes also with what you're feeding your mind. Are you feeding your mind what's in front of you? Or are you feeding your mind things that you want? You want more access and resources. Where are you getting it from? And I know there's instances where, you know, um, systemic racism puts a lack of access and resources, right? Like this, I've actually seen, um, I was reading a report that said that they're taking slavery out of history textbooks, U.S. history textbooks. And I'm like, that that doesn't make any sense. How are you really teaching people if you're, you know, hiding the history, right? Or if you're going to take out uh, slavery out of the history book, are you now going to tell the, the tale of all of the things that black people have went through because history right, right now as we know it is just the victor's tale absolutely but i know you us took a lot of l's yeah because if you saying that you have guns and all this stuff but it took you so much so many amount of years to then finally defeat nations that only had bow and arrows mm -hmm. and sticks right bro how are you getting yeah. washed <laughs> yeah. like it's like if i have a gun and somebody come with a staff and start yeah. washing me yeah um, and that's the interesting thing about it, but it, it all goes back, like I was saying, to mindset. Mm -hmm. I think we mm -hmm. have to understand that, you know, yes, this this is the plate that was put in front of me, right? Because we all have a plate. Like, life is a plate. We have a plate, right? Life is a buffet and we have a plate. What are we putting on our plate? There's some things that are already on our plate from trauma, generational things that are on our plate. But what are we what are we eating off of this plate? And what are you choosing to differ, right? Are you... Uh, and And... Like I said, it goes back to certain experiences where you don't have access to resources or education. But like my father has always instilled education, education, education. Um, and that doesn't just come from a textbook. I learned a lot in the streets, too, when I was out being not mixing, not mixing. <laughs> but, you know, but even, for example, um, when I became a student leader, that was that was osmosis through like through, you know, student staff and faculty of the university student affairs. And I'm learning like, oh, snap. Black and Latino caucus being there, I learned about politics and how, you know, in New York State and New York City, how people of color are affecting politics and affecting rules and, you know, um, things that are put in place in these neighborhoods. Um, but that was all through access, right? And, and my mindset of what I wanted to feed myself. Even like, for example, you're saying this is your first time here. It's going to be a great experience because you're going to learn some things you like and learn some things you don't like. That's a great experience. Don't discount that, especially if you find things that you don't like because it'll teach you. At least you know what you don't like now. People don't understand that. People get so caught up in being discontent and miserable that they don't understand. Like, you know, there is stuff that you can like. You know, there is something called joy and happiness that you can have. But it goes back to, again, your mindset. What What are you feeding yourself? So... That's why I'm on my journey, changing my mindset about everything. Um, I look at, I'm telling you everything different from food, money, politics, people, everything. My perspective has changed completely. And it's not to say, like, even with racism, right? Racism is racism, you know? But I look at racism differently because I used to look at racism like hatred, you know? But now I look at racism as ignorance because you don't really know. You don't really know. That's that's what I'm saying when it comes to mindset and changing your perspective. So that's where my journey is right now in um, me loving my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> so. How do you love yourself? Oh, um, the primary way is, is understanding and learning my identity in Christ. Um, and it's so crazy because 
uh, you know, people will call it like a Jesus freak or whatever. But I, fi- I find so much joy, happiness and going to church, serving God, you know, and serving God is not just in church, but it's helping people on the street. It's it's helping other people, speaking to people. Um, people don't understand that the church is not a physical building. Mm-hmm. Right. It's body. Right. It's the body. So um, I serve in a physical building at my local church, but also talking to people letting people know how i live my life why i live my life um even telling them my testimony and what i've been through and knowing that they can come from those things too and again sharing sharing knowledge right and going back to education because education is not just in a book like i was saying so Mm -hmm. but yeah definitely through um understanding my identity in christ and how god loves me um but also um through family and friends you know, um, and understanding what you like as a person, because a lot of people don't even know what they like, which is crazy. Not nah, it, it's real because yeah. you know there's like we are not taught to really express ourselves. I always say like, like um, I'm just learning how to really love myself mm-hmm. as a black man, and right. I love every moment of it because there's always like there's this tweet that they say like yo, it, it's it's crazy like this to like to love a black man like it's like how do you love a black man without him offering something? Mm-hmm. Without him having to do something mm-hmm. or produce something, mm-hmm. there's no such thing. Like a a man is 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 measured by what he can produce. Right. So, even let me take a step back. Like being able to just be a black man and just exist in space, mm-hmm. and love and be just be present, and love that just my presence of me being present. Yep. That's what I'm on right now. That's mm-hmm. 2020 cleat. Oh, 2021 cleats gonna be different. <laughs> but right now, I'm just learning how to love myself, and I've been happy. Like right. Good, bad, happy, sad, been happy. So. And I think that's so important to love yourself and understanding what loving yourself means. Um, because, I, and, and like I was saying, back to identity, are you loving yourself or are you loving the identity you created? Are you loving what culture is, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, culture will tell you... Um, For bitches get money. Okay. <laughs> Excuse my language. I was but... going to say brunch and travel, but, you know, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, but both same, same thing, you know, they tell you to, you know, live your best life. But... I always say I live my best life in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's not even to be corny or whatever people want to say, but I really said because God has shown me um, the person I was living to be was not the person I was meant to be, the person I was born to be. So when I started learning, like, okay, and taking time to really just sit there and be like, Liz, what do you like? What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? You know, what are you interested in? People don't do that. People become interested in what culture is interested in. I'm not interested in culture. Like, I've never been a brand person. Like, you know, like, this is whole thing I argue with people about but the whole like don't wear Nike and Adidas thing I personally can't understand that you yeah. know in my mind because I've never been a brand person but somebody who is a brand person they say you just don't wear this because X, Y, and Z but to you, it matter. never made sense to me and it, it still doesn't make sense to me but I'm just like you know what to each their own but you have to figure out what you like that's not something I've never been interested in brands but I'm interested in baking you know foods that I love baking I love cooking you know just being hospitable I love hanging out with my family and friends I had to learn those things about myself relearn them because hanging out with your family and friends I realized that in certain environments was not progressive to where I was trying to go to where I am going to walking with Christ and I had to relearn how how am I still going to hang out with my family and friends but do it in a way that glorifies God Mm. so All right. Um, do you want to end off with a prayer, or are you you trying to go sleep? No, we can pray. Of so course. pray. Go ahead. Pray. All right. 
Um, Heavenly Father, we come to you now and say thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father God, because we know where we're two or three are gathered, Father God, your presence is here. We thank you, Father God, Lord, for just using us as vessels and allowing us to speak to people, Lord. We pray that somebody has received something from this, Lord, and finding mm-hmm. their identity in Christ, finding their identity in you, Lord, um, not assimilating to culture, not assimilating to who they think they are, but Lord, who they are in you. Mm-hmm. Lord, we just thank you. We honor you and give you praise, for Lord, for such an impromptu moment that was already planned for you, planned by you before we were born. Mm-hmm. And we just thank you, Lord, and we just ask, Father God, Lord, that this touches people's hearts, their ears, their minds, their souls, their bodies, Father God, to receive what you want them to receive. Yes, it's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Well, Liz, I appreciate you. I know you're tired. Of um, course, of course. It's always a vibe. Um, if people want to follow you, where can they go to follow you at? Oh, oh are you off the grid still? <laughs> no, I'm on the grid, y'all. <laughs> I'm back. Y'all can definitely follow me. YouTube. You got I'm the Twitch channel. <laughs> YouTube soon come, though. Soon come. Gotta soon come. come gotta come. come. I got definitely. some knowledge to share with people. But, um... You guys can follow me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And my Instagram is his daughter, spelled H-I-S-D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R, underscore Liz, L-I-Z. Fire. Fire. Okay, cool. Man, y'all know the face. Y'all know them. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast, Talking Cheap Podcast, the world's greatest podcast with the best people, as you can see. And y'all know the slogan, Talking Cheap, and it's not that deep. It's just a vibe.